This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. This is not a regular player, this is not a pretty good quarterback. This is an all time great. Is he? A strange bird off the field? He's a little nuts, I think. Okay? That's his deal. Is he really weird? Yeah. You don't have to hang out with him. You just have to put on your Jet jersey, go to the stadium, and watch him do his thing, which is move the Jets down the field and into the end zone, which is something you have not had in years. Subscribe to the Mike Francesa podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Missanelli Podcast brought to us by Bet Rivers. We try to do this podcast as many times as we can. It's usually a couple times a week now that the Philly season is over. And this is podcast episode, if you can believe it. 24. We've done 24. This will be the 24th podcast we're doing. We hope everybody is enjoying them out there. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And thanks to the great people at Bet Rivers for bringing this to us. Um, so uh, the last podcast was one of our most intriguing podcasts. And I just want to say a couple words before we start with this podcast. But our interview with Angela Cataldi, uh, a lot of people really received it very well and we thank everybody for listening and if you haven't heard it yet uh, it's episode 23 just check it out and uh, Angela reveals a lot about his career and uh, uh, the way our careers crossed and it was pretty entertaining a lot of good stories there so go back and listen to the Angela Cataldi podcast and if you did listen to it and you're one of the people that really liked it a lot of people commented to me that they really loved it uh, thank you very much for uh, your kind words on that all right so Podcast episode 24, since we had Angelo on Tuesday, we didn't get a chance to talk about the Eagles' Monday night game. And the Eagles lose for the first time this year, 32-21. The uh, dream of an undefeated season uh, gets burned in a pile, and then uh, we have to analyze what happened here. Now, there is an obvious problem with the Eagles that I think that we've been kind of trying to sweep under the carpet because it really hadn't come down, back to bite them. And uh, the problem, obviously, is that they, they can't stop the run consistently. Um, it's always been there. Uh, I didn't take it that seriously until I saw the Monday night game because, you know, the way I figured it, the Eagles have been ahead in almost every game this year. And when you're ahead, you kind of relax on defense. You don't want to get burned by a big play, so you play a little softer. Uh, and in almost every game, it's played out that way. So, um Listen, we all know what Jonathan Gannon is about, okay? He's not an aggressive defensive coordinator, uh, and uh, now he's going to have to make some adjustments, and we'll talk about that in a second. The Eagles right now are, are 29th in the league in yards given up per carry. That's 5.2 yards per carry, which is not real good. And for an 8-0 team, 
we kind of glossed over that. So now it's time to pay attention to it. Now, Washington came into this game with a big neon sign advertising what they were going to do. They were going to run the football. In their last three games, they had run the football 49.48% of the time. And plus, they got a a lousy quarterback. So um, when you have a formula like that, if you're a defensive staff, I I would like to think that you game plan that they're going to run the ball. (laughs) And it didn't look like the Eagles game planned at all. So what happened? Washington dominated the clock running the football, thereby limiting the Eagles offense and really getting on the field and, and getting into those long drives that they've made famous this year. Uh, and their formidable offense was, you know, kind of depleted in a game like this with Washington controlling the football. Um, so uh, here's the thing. The, the, the commanders didn't exactly burn them with the run. They just stayed with it. And it was like a slow drip. Um, no long burst, but uh, 3.2 yards per carry, but 3.2, 3.2, 3.2, then a five and a whatever, and they controlled the game. Now, there's some astonishing numbers in this game for a team that was 8-0 to give up this. 51 plays to 19 plays in the first half. I mean, that's just unacceptable. 51 plays for 235 yards, and they... Uh, on the, on the game, I, I don't know what the final stat was, but they converted like 12 of 15 third downs in, in the first downs. And, and that's just unacceptable. The, Washington came into this game with one of the worst percentages of converting third downs, and all of a sudden they turn into Superman running the ball. The other team has to really take responsibility for allowing that to happen. So here's my question. Because sometimes I don't get it. I, I look at staffs. No matter what the sport is, in, in every professional sport these days, the staffs are like double digits. There's 12 assistants, 15 assistants. Whether it's basketball, whether it's bait, there's an assistant to the assistant in, in these games now. So the Eagles' defensive staff is, is, uh, is plentiful. All right? Jonathan Gannon is the lead guy. But there are a lot of other guys that are in the booth watching this game. This is a professional football team. I do not understand how you can allow a team to rush the ball consistently against you and not make any adjustments. It's baffling to me. As I watch this game, I'm going, are they coaching this game? Do they see what this team is doing? Is there anything you could do to stop this? It, it, they finally did it. They moved Hargrave over the center l- later on. And, yeah, I know they're missing Jordan Davis. But linebackers have to be a little more responsible in a situation like this. Maybe put an extra guy in the box and you dare that freaking Taylor Heineke to beat you with his arm. And he's got a powder puff arm. How you can sit back and not do anything to alter what they're doing is coaching malpractice. And so I'm going to put this on the Eagles defensive coaching staff. I don't understand when you go into halftime and they've run 51 plays for 235 yards, how you come out in the second half and still have no answers. I, I just don't get it, and it's, uh, it, it was a baffling game in, in that respect that you allow that team. That's a lousy football team, all right? I mean, they have their moments. They have a good defensive line. I get it. But they shouldn't be able to house you like that, running the football consistently. So uh, that was my problem with the game. Now, I think that we have a tendency to overreact to what that game means. And we're going to get into the teeth of this game in a little bit. They were 8-0 coming into this game. It's one loss. They weren't going to go undefeated. 
there was going to be a slip-up. I didn't think it would be against that team, but there's going to be a slip-up, and sometimes the loss is good. It wakes you up again. So we'll see um, how, how this proceeds. However, if you don't stop the run, that team has now set the template, and, f- and frankly, the Houston Texans said it the week before by running the football. And so now this gets around the league, and they go, this is how we attack the Eagles. So you're going to have to make an adjustment. And guess who's coming up? Some pretty good running backs. So you're going to get a steady diet of teams running the football against you. All right, let's look uh, closer at a couple things that happened in this game. The Eagles were shut out in the second quarter. Now, you know, it's been a dominant Eagles offense in the second quarter most more than any other quarter this year. The fact that they were shut out tells you a couple things. They didn't get on the field enough to get any continuity. Uh, also, um, they they uh, had to sign yesterday a guy off the scrap heap. I, I don't like scrap heap signings. I don't think they, uh, they, uh, they make any difference at all. Now, we're starting to see that with Robert Quinn, who looks like he's, he's done. Now they sign Linvel Joseph. All right, he's 325 pounds. He's 107 years old. And they're going to come in and, and think that he, now, as a rotation player, I, I guess they can't do any better. They need a, a big guy in the middle of that line to stuff something up. And maybe he plays a couple downs, early downs, and then gets off the field. Um, but I don't like the desperation signing. Unfortunately, that's where they are now until Jordan Davis comes back. Uh, another uh, aspect of this game that I did not expect. Slay got toasted. Darius Slay got toasted in this game by Terry McLaurin. And it looked like he he was he was almost scared to play against McLaurin. If you looked at the, how they lined up, he did not press at all. He was way back in coverage. He trailed them completely. Um, th- there was there was a you know a play where he crossed over uh, the, from left side to the right side, and Slade was like five yards behind him, uh, and that wasn't good. I mean, Darius Slade didn't come to play in that game. Uh, here's another thing that we have to worry about now. Dallas Goddard's on IR. Uh, that does not help. Shoulder, he'll miss at least four games. Maybe he misses more. What do they do now in his stead? Grant Calcaterra, uh, the, the big kid who used to be a quarterback that they're going to now activate, my man Jack Stoll. Is that going to be enough for the Eagles to uh, withstand the absence of Dallas Goddard? That's a major problem. They, they may have to target more wide receivers, uh, and that's going to be interesting because Stoddard, uh, I mean, Goddard gave, it the, gave him that really good balance where wide receivers could, could be open and knowing that linebackers had to pay attention to him, and you had a lot of patterns in the middle of the field that were open. Um, okay. Um, let's further review this loss to the commanders because there's a lot of things I want to break down. Uh, the Eagles start off this game with a gift TD. Washington went three and out, and for some reason, Reed Blankenship roughs the punter. <laughs> I mean, a blatant roughing of the punter. Uh, and uh, I can be honest with you, the Eagles special teams have not really, you know, per- made a parade of glory here. They, in fact, they've sucked a lot of times this year. That's got to shore up. Uh, but they get bailed out with the strip sack and Josh Sweat, and a couple of plays later, uh, the play that can't be stopped. Jalen Hurts sneak, and all of a sudden it's it's seven nothing. All right, next drive. Washington sets the template of what they're going to do. 
Run, 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 run. Here it was. Three, six, four, one, four, eight. And then McLaurin in a crossing pattern. Slay's chasing him like my dog trying to catch a squirrel, which she never does, by the way. Little rabbits she, she can get. But the squirrel is going to beat my dog every single time, and that's the way it looked. Because the squirrel runs up a tree. But I digress. McLaurin goes for 26. Washington on that drive ties the score 7-7. Now, here's the thing about the Eagles and what they've done all year. When somebody gets close to them, they usually have an answer. And they had another answer. I'm watching this game. "Eh, This is going to play out like every other game. Washington gets a touchdown, gets close. The Eagles do what's necessary to get ahead. Um, They get the touchdown. Nine plays, 78 yards. Pass interference on the bomb to Devontae. And then a beautifully designed pass. The, the, the fake the run by the quarterback, jump pass to the tight end. Goddard gets the touchdown. Beautiful play. I love that play. It's more like a college play, but it works with, with uh, Hurts because you know, the linebackers see that, and right away they create an opening. Goddard slides right into it. 14-7 Eagles. And, and, and pretty much that was where we stood as far as the highlights go. Washington gets a field goal the next drive. But do you remember what happened on that? Before the field goal, they had a fourth down. They go for it. They had an open jet sweep on a direct snap, and they get called for a delay of game to mess up the whole play. That's the difference between a good team and a bad team. That play's well-designed. It's, go- it's making a touchdown, for crying out loud. Delay of game. So they have to settle for a field goal. Now we fast forward to the end of the first half. This is where I thought the Eagles really lost their grip on this game. 57 seconds left. They allow the commanders to come down the field and get three points. That should never, ever happen. They gave him a gift three. Now it was a 58-yard field goal by my man, Joey Sly. But still, you, you can't give up points there. And so they go into halftime trailing and, and – the commanders all of a sudden think they can win this game. It's 20 to 14 at halftime. All right. Second half. The Eagles finally commit to the run. After goofing around all first half, and I didn't have a lot of plays to put it together, but they find Miles Sanders had two carries in the first half. Finally, they get the ball, uh, uh, running the football with Miles Sanders. They rush eight times on a 12 play drive, and they go 80 yards. All right. All's right with the world. Because uh, that. Uh, it makes it 23 to 21. And uh, Heineke on the next drive gets greedy and tries to go long. Now, he's done that many times. He, he lost to Minnesota doing the same thing. C.J. Gardner gets the pick. And then there's the Goddard play. Now, listen, I understand it was a face mask penalty, and it probably should not have happened. And Eagle fans are up in arms that they missed the face. I don't know how officials can miss a call like that, but they did miss it. I mean, who knows whether he would have fumbled or not. Uh, without that, but it was a big sequence there. So um, Washington now uh, has the drive, and they have a third and 13. And, and this is what I want to talk about. And Darren, I want to bring that producer Darren, uh, the voice in the, in the wilderness, as, as we call him. He's, he's back there listening to this whole dissertation. Washington has third and 13. They get penalized because the third and 13 play is all messed up. It looked like it was going to be a screen pass, uh, and and so – uh, a couple of de- defense, uh, offensive linemen got downfield. They get a penalty for illegal man downfield. The Eagles declined the penalty. Now, that's the difference between a fourth and, or excuse me, third and 18 or a fourth down. They choose to go with the fourth down, and Sly now attempts a 55-yarder. And I'm going, 
The guy just kicked a 58-yarder. Why would you give him a 55-yarder? You don't believe in your defense enough to the point where it's third and 18? Maybe you could blitz there and take him out of field goal range completely. And what they're probably going to do is check down, get a couple yards, and send slide back out there again. But let them do that. Why would you decline the penalty there? I don't understand it. Darren? I thought it was a bad decision. You got to put the pressure on the offense at that point. Yes, I know anything could happen. Uh, Like you said, you throw something underneath. You pick up a few more yards and you make it maybe maybe it's a little bit of an easier kick for Sly, but he's already hit a 58 yarder. So, you know, he's going to hit in the 50s. He's got that distance. I thought it was a it was a bad idea. It was a bad call at the time. Um, the Redskins, they're a bad team. Yeah, it's the commanders. Oh, 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 it's the commanders. Uh, the commanders. I, <laughs> I'm still calling them that. I, I know. I still make that mistake. It's the, it's the, the commanders. commanders. Yes, stay with Washington. Right. Yeah. The, that team in Washington. They have, first of all, McLaurin gives us fits. He might be the most underrated player in the National Football League. He's that good. Oh, stop it. He stinks. He's very good, Mike. He runs a great pass. He's a great wide receiver. Oh, 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 I thought, oh, you made me McLaurin. Okay. I thought you were talking about the quarterback. I'm sorry. I thought I heard Heineke. No, McLaurin right. is, 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 a, a yeah, he's a very good player. Receiver. Runs a terrific yes. pattern, and that that gave them that was the problem for them on Monday night because you couldn't really bring a safety up in the box because you had to have two guys accounting for McLaurin, and and Washington did a good job of moving him around in the slot outside. Wait, 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 wait! I, I thought I thought Slay was a good cover corner. I, Isn't that the idea of of of, of only rushing four? You trust your cornerbacks. Totally agree. Um, he's a good. I don't even. First of all, I think he's very good. I don't think he's the best cover corner on the team. I think Bradbury is. I think he was the best pick of the off. Yeah, I don't think he is at all. Bradbury's more of a zone cornerback. But go ahead, continue. <laughs> but nevertheless, yes. Nevertheless, uh, that that was the problem because you had to. Kim McCarn was roasting him all night, so you really couldn't just put a, a safety up in a box and to 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 account for the run. The linebackers had to play better uh, to make up for Fletcher Cox and the defensive line just getting barreled uh, most of the night. And uh, Fletcher Cox is a whole nother discussion we need to have at some point. But your original question, it was a bad decision. You put the pressure on the offense in that mm-hmm. moment, uh, especially when you're trailing. Yeah, it's a full, you know, it's funny because I was uh, in the old days, a decision like that with any other coach, um, the coach would have got roasted or, or at least questioned really hard on that. Uh, I don't know if they if they forgot that that was a big part of the game or whether Sirianni has a little bit of uh uh, of honeymoon going on with the with the press, uh, but that 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 decision wasn't nearly questioned enough in the post game. So uh, it's twenty six twenty one now, and of course you get to Quez Watkins killer. Now can, can I blame him? It was a fifty one yard play. He tried to get up and and get more yards out of it. He got stripped behind. That kind of thing is going to happen. I don't know if it was a bonehead play, uh, but uh, the the turnover was was obviously very costly. However. There were two other chances for the Eagles to come back and win that game. One drive, they went three and out. And, of course, the other drive, the potential drive, was killed by the bonehead play by Grandin Brand, who certainly should know better than to do what he did on that play. So they wind up losing. So let's, let's wrap it all up now. What does it all mean? Because there are a lot of people nationally that were just waiting for this to happen. 
that were out there saying, ah, the Eagles aren't that good. They've been playing lousy teams, blah, 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 blah. They, so they didn't really get the respect they deserved, except in the power rankings, they were ranked pretty high. But uh, I think the t- people nationally were just waiting to drop this team. I think the Eagles are still the best team in the NFC. Um, there may be a couple losses left. I don't know where they are. Uh, the maximum game, the amount of games they're going to lose is three. Uh, they'll probably lose to the Cowboys. They'll probably maybe lose to the Giants. I mean, there's probably another loss. And who knows? Maybe they lose one to Green Bay or or Tennessee, one of these upcoming games. Uh, but uh, I, I'm not going to sound the alarm that a lot of fans wanted to sound here because the Eagles lost the game. They're 8-1. They're so my advice to, to the people is just chill. They're still a, a very good team, a damn good team. And here's here's the thing though the template a the template's been set that you can beat this team by running b you can't turn the ball over four times it was actually three that last turnover was a joke uh you can't do that and and the goddard thing is a big loss but they're coming up if the template's been set they got jonathan taylor next week they got the packers with a resurgent running game uh they've got travis henry coming up and then they've got saquon coming up so um, it'll be interesting how they adjust to these teams that are going to try to run the football against them. That template, however, though, Mike, you, you have to have that downfield threat for that run for that template to really work. It didn't work with Houston because they didn't have to worry about anybody burning them or roasting them downfield. They could bring their, they brought their safeties up that night. You couldn't do that with Washington because McLaurin will get behind you. Now you got a couple games like this game against the Colts. Jonathan Taylor might be the best back in the league. But who else are you worried about in the offense? So that I don't know that this is that template is there, but that template has to include a downfield threat. You can't just come in and say we'll run the ball thirty-five times and beat the Eagles. Okay, I mean that's that, that's fair. That's fair. However, even if you don't have downfield threat and you grind, 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 you're keeping Hurts off the field and the Eagles' offense off the field, and you mess up their momentum offensively where they've been really rolling. So we'll see where this leads to. Right, but without the downfield threat, you have more options to, to, to kind of help out uh, that defensive line that's clearly struggling. And you said it earlier, Quinn's cooked. I think it gives you nothing. He, Quinn's cooked, and, and, and Linville Joseph is cooked. But, uh, you know, this is the best you can do at this point, so I can't blame them. They, they just don't have anybody uh, else, and Jordan Davis thing hurt them. Uh, all right, so let's uh, let's shift gears. That's, that's our, our Eagles commentary for the podcast for today. So let's go with the Phillies now. Uh, and, and I've been predicting this for a while because it makes too much sense. Uh, the, the Phillies are going to get Trey Turner. All right. So that that's a I, I think that you, you need to look at a team that now has Trey Turner shortstop and start at second base. I, I really believe it's going to happen. I know there's this scuttlebutt out there that the Angels are going to make an offer and they want him. He's already on record. So he wants to come back to the East Coast. Bryce Harper's one of his good buddies. Bryce is talking to him all the time. I don't think he's going to turn Bryce down. If he wants to come back to the East Coast and play with a team that's going to be a contender, it's a no-brainer for me that he come to the Phillies. All right? So I, I wouldn't worry about that, and I'd be shocked if he doesn't sign here. Uh, I was uh, reading a story by Jim Bowden of the uh, Bowden of the Athletic, former general manager in this league, who says they're going to get Xander Bogarts instead. And, and, and that, that would be fine for me. I mean, but the Turner thing just makes too much sense if he wants to come – Back to the East Coast. All right. Uh, big story of the Phillies, of course, is the Bryce Harper dilemma. He's uh, going to undergo surgery tomorrow. Uh, Neil uh, Attache, uh, who's a very well-known surgeon, who's done a lot of these Tommy John procedures. It will be a Tommy John surgery. I was talking to an uh, orthopedic surgeon several days ago, and he said, uh, 
you know, this talk about their, him undergoing some lesser surgery is just not existing. If there's a tear at UCL, there's only one thing you can do. It's the Tommy John surgery. Now, Tommy John is frightens people uh, because we're used to hearing it about pitchers and how they miss an entire year. With outfielders, you don't miss an entire year. So uh, you miss a lot of months, however. And, and so here's my problem. I believe Bryce Harper will be at least out till June. Uh, and in and, and being out till June, I don't know how much hitting he can do with, uh, uh, you know, that healing. I, 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 I know that Otani came back as a designated hitter, but I don't know that, that Harper, without hitting for a substantial period of time, is going to return in June and just pick up without missing any time. I mean, I, I think you have to allow for like almost half the season to be blown out for Bryce Harper. So what do they do at DH? Um, they're going to have to sign somebody, I think, that's going to be able to hear the options. Derek Hall, who can't hit left-handers. So, so maybe he can hold it down against righties, but uh, who's your, you're going to have to get another guy in there to be a DH. Now, a lot of people are suggesting that in the interim, you play Sosa at third base and you move Bohm to first and you have a full-time DH in Reese Hoskins. I, I mean, it's a possibility they do that. I don't think Reese is going anywhere, by the way. He's coming back next year. Uh, I've heard nothing about the fact that they would like to trade him. He's on last year of a deal. I think they want to squeeze uh, whatever he's got, 30 home runs in his bat left. Uh, so that's what it's going to be. Either they sign a guy who's got some right-handed pop to be their DH or they use Hoskins as their DH, and they work around it with Sosa playing third base, and at least until mid. It's got to be mid June at the very least that Bryce Harper rejoins this team. That's that's what I'm thinking. You agree with that, there? I, I first of all, you're right about Hoskins. He's not going anywhere because there's no other. There's no better option available. I would have loved to have seen Rizzo come here, but he already signed with the Yankees, and he wasn't leaving the Yankees. He never was. Uh, so he's their best option. I don't want to move Bohm to first base, though. I want to keep his growth going there. I thought he made great strides. Well, I, I agree with you. I'm just saying that, that that's uh, yeah, that's just one of the options they have with their DH problem now with, with this Bryce Harper thing. And it would be temporary depending on when he comes back. I, I don't really know what they're going to do. But I agree with you. I don't think that they will do that. But, you know, this Bryce Harper thing, don't don't. Uh, don't take this lightly. Tommy John surgery is Tommy John surgery. And uh, with Tommy John surgery, you, you know, you can, you can do some cardio, but you're not hitting and, and a hitter needs timing. And so when you miss a lot of time and you're not going to magically get back in the batter's box and start slashing. And that's my worry about the And all the more, that's why you also have to bring in a decent pitcher at, on top of bringing painter up. You got to have what pitching carry you or by the way, you've got a star-studded lineup, even with Bryce out. Yeah, you got to get through the first half of the year, get to the All-Star break, and then he comes back. Like if, if in your mind you go, I I got to get to the All-Star break in decent shape, and then I get and then I get the best player in baseball back. Th that works, yeah, and I can live with that. Yeah, and, and they're probably going to sign a pitcher. And I hope it's uh, somebody of better quality than the Kyle Gibsons of the world. All right. Uh, this is a podcast where we don't have any guests, so we're going to expand it. And this podcast is going to be kind of like uh, all over the place a lot of the times. And if you listen to me on the radio, 
uh, all these years. You know, I like to branch off into subjects that have nothing to do with sports. Uh, and, and I call this segment Life Talk. And uh, a lot of Life Talk that uh, I talk about involves mundane things like me going to the grocery store. I'm a big grocery store guy. See, I'm a guy who doesn't, I don't go to the grocery store and stock up with a lot of stuff. I go often because I don't really know. Like I, I live, me, it's me and my dog. I don't have to buy for a family. So like I, there's a grocery store right down the street that my, my friendly neighborhood giant. So when I, when I'm planning meals, I go there. I, this is what I need for the meal. Uh, and so I go a lot and you can learn a lot about people uh, in a grocery store. You you can learn about their, their personal um, courtesy. Uh, for, first of all, when you, when you look at a grocery, there are two places you can learn a lot about personal uh, courtesy of people. One is when you're driving and the other is at a grocery store. So I'm going to talk about both these things. But the first thing I need to talk about at the grocery store is uh, a situation that I had. I like to go into the, the self-service check. I like to check my own groceries. Since I don't have a big basket full of groceries like you, Darren, with the kids, you got to buy the, the whole bit. Uh, I, I go in and I, uh, I'll i get like uh, maybe I have 10, 12 items and I go into the you know, beep and, I, and I, I check it myself. So the other day uh, I go through the, the checkout line and um, it, it's it's weird because it's weighted. You know, the, the, the computer knows what you get. Like you can't cheat. You have to like put the item that you check in the bag in that area where it's weighted. So uh, I had a bottle of distilled water. A gallon jug of distilled water. And people say, well, why do you need distilled water? I need distilled water for two reasons. Number one, I put it in my cigar humidor. Keep it, keep the cigars fresh. Number two, I, I, I use this squirt bottle for my nostrils. Have you, do you do this? I do not. This is, the great, <laughs> this, is the, this is the greatest thing to avoid sickness. All right? It's a squeeze bottle that you put a saline solution packet in there and you dissolve it with water, distilled water. You squirt it in one nostril. It comes out the other nostril. It cleans your sinuses completely. It's like a neti pot. It, it is, but it's, 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 it's the neti pot is too hard to use. This is okay. a squeeze bottle which puts pressure and, and it squeezes the thing and it just shoots and cleans out your whole side. It's the greatest invention ever for a simple invention, right? That sounds awful. No, it's fantastic. It is. You know, you're supposed to do it in the morning at night. I only do, I do it maybe once a week just to keep it clean in there. You know what I'm saying? All right. So so anyway, uh, I got the, the, the distilled water, but my three other bags are filled with stuff. So I put the distilled water on the, uh, the that area, but it's not in a bag. So I take my bags. I'm done. I take my bags. I forget the distilled water. I come home. The day later, I go, oh, damn, where's my distilled water? I must have left it there where I put it in the thing. So here's my question to you. Yeah. Is it proper the next time you go into the grocery store to just take a gallon bottle of distilled water since you already paid for it? No. <laughs> no. 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 Yeah, first what are all, you talking about? No. You, you goofed. It's yours. You paid for it. You goofed. You left the store. What What are you going to do uh, when somebody stops you as you're walking out? Oh, I paid for one the other day and I left it here. They're going to go, yeah, that's great, pal. Give me the dollar nine, dollar three eighty. No, 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 no. Here's, <laughs> here's what I did. Here's what I did. It, it, it was a shop. It was another shopping venture. I was I was done shopping. 
I was wheeling the little cart out and I go, oh, the distilled water. I went and got myself a jug. So you stole it. You, you... I didn't steal it. See, that's the thing. It's not stealing if you've already paid for it. How many days ago did you pay and walk out and forget it? Two days. Two days. So now let me ask you a question. What was your plan if the eye in the sky saw you and a manager or a shoplifting uh, security guard grabs you on the way out? What were you going to say? I would have clearly explained it. And in fact, there is a lady proctor at the, at, at the self-serve checkout. And, and she would have been the one that had to retrieve the distilled water that I left and put it back. And to prove it, I would have gone to her. And I said, two days ago, ma'am, do you remember that you took a jug of distilled water off of it? And she goes, oh, yeah, I, I do remember that. And what happens if she's a typical person that has a lot on her mind and forgot that you, that you forgot all about that? You think she remembers? You think that burned? You think it's like a, like a permanent memory in her head? Listen, first of all, first, first of all, there's no, listen, there's no one on earth who works at a grocery store that would, would that would think that you're trying to get away with stealing a gallon of distilled water. I think you do well. There, there's got to be a reason why I'm taking that, all right? So I would calmly explain that here was the dilemma. I paid for it. I forgot it. I deserve it because I own that, that gallon of distilled water. I think you, if you are a different, if you're in a different financial situation, than the one you're in where stop with the finances i'm talking about fundamentally what's right fundamentally, and what's wrong i paid for it i forgot it i shouldn't have to relinquish the rights of of the distilled water fundamentally you effed up the other day by leaving it and it's on you and that was a dollar 380 uh loss leader for you that week okay all right so let me get to now the uh the two places where people are oblivious to being courteous to others. Um, in the grocery store, people have no concept that other people are shopping. So, for instance, I'm trying to get down an aisle. There's a woman with a cart blocking half of the aisle talking on the cell phone. Are you oblivious to the fact that people need to go down that aisle? I know exactly what you're talking about. I hate those people because I like, well, I do the food shopping for uh, my family. And I, I usually have a full cart because, like you said, I got a couple kids and I'm buying stuff for lunch uh -huh. and breakfast all week yeah. and dinners. And, yeah, uh -huh. those people drive me nuts. Wake up. You're not the only one in the store. You're not the only one in the aisle. I'm with you on this one. Here's the other thing. Now you're going down the aisle and uh, a customer in the aisle is using... The ass out method. You know what I'm talking about? The ass out method where they're looking at a shelf. They're staring at stuff on the shelf and they stoop to have the ass out, preventing you from getting past them in the aisle. That's rude. Make room. You can't. You have to. No matter where you are in the aisle. Yes. There has to be room for people to get by. Yes. No matter what. If there's people looking at the same place that you want, either wait or go back or stand back until they're done. You have to leave room for people to get by. Correct. Yes. Now, if, if here, here's what I would suggest to people. You can stand straight up. I know it's a tough decision on whether you're going to get the Contadina tomato paste or the Hunts, right? 
but but don't don't use the ass out method. That's all. If you don't use the ass out method, people can get by. If you use the ass out, people can't get by. That's just my thing. All right. Now here's the other. Uh, I hold on. I got one more supermarket thing okay. I want to add to that. These people. I, this is an absolute pet peeve of mine. Uh-huh. The people that that leave shopping carts in the middle of the parking lot when there's a you know area for you to walk the cart back or walk the goddamn cart back or put it in the in the in the you know the the, the uh-huh. in the area the cart area i mean the, that is the epitome epitome of laziness mm-hmm. and i hate when people leave their trash in the in the shopping cart as well those yeah. people there's a special place reserved in hell for these people yeah. Okay. And here's the other thing I told you about. The other thing where people have no courtesy or not, don't even think about courtesy is when they're driving their car. And I get it. People are in a hurry. They have to get here somewhere. I got to go there. Sometimes uh, uh, somebody will make a mistake and impede their progress. So um, two nights ago, I'm uh, driving on City Line Avenue, and I'm in the right lane. And um, it shouldn't really happen because your rear view mirror now tells the tale on whether there's somebody in the left lane with the, with the red light. Cause so, but I wasn't really paying that much attention. I tried to get from the right lane to the left lane. And I realized that I impeded somebody who was coming in the left lane. Well, the guy blares on his horn. And I pull back over. It was an honest mistake. I pull back over. I didn't hit him or anything. He races alongside of me. Uh, and, and he pulls down his window. And he starts screaming at me. <laughs> I go, and I go, I go, dude, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't see you. And he goes, well, how could you not see me? Blah, blah. And, he, and, he's, and he's F-bombing me. Right? So finally, I, when I we're driving down the thing, and he's yelling at me from his behind the wheel, and I'm uh, my behind the wheel. And, and finally, I had enough. I go, dude, I already told you I'm sorry. F off. And he goes, and he goes F off and he, he stops his car and he gets out and comes towards me. So I'm, I go, let me tell you something, brother. You better mean business if you're coming over here. And, and, I, and I glared at him. He was some little snot, a little punky looking kid. And, and uh, he, got, he got back in his car and, uh, and, he, and, he, and he, rolled, uh, he rolled away. I, people have way too much anger. I mean, it, that's ridiculous. You apologized. <laughs> uh, we've all goofed up on the road. We all have. And- yeah, but I started to think, I'd love to get out of this car and just beat this kid's ass. Uh, but uh, what do I have to gain by that? Uh, the, poli- that uh, the police report. A whole bit. So I actually just laughed at him after that. All right. So there you go. It's, my dad used to say, sometimes you need a beating. And that guy needs, that guy needs a beating. <laughs> well, yeah, that guy definitely needed a beating. All right. So that's life talk for today. Again, we talk about everyday circumstances. Everybody's been through the things I just talked about. Um, so now uh, we're going we, to do a segment here that we've been wanting to do this for a long time, but we've been bogged down by sports. The fact that the Phillies went to the World Series and the Eagles are eight now. Uh, but uh, it's, it's a little segment we call Three Questions for Mikey Miss. Producer Darren. Three questions, Mike. Three questions, right? We're going to get into the mind of Miss Sinelli. Three quick questions. Three questions for Mikey Miss. I don't know what they are. You're just going to fire away, and you're going to you're going to get my organic responses to this. Right. Each podcast will do this. You do not know what these questions are ahead of time. They could be quick. You can elaborate however you want it. Some of these questions will be serious. Some will be completely not complete nonsense. Some you might go, hey, I've always wanted to know that about Mike. 
So here uh-huh. we go. We're going to do three questions with Mike. First question tonight, Mike. First one. And this is a two-parter. Favorite restaurant. I want your local favorite restaurant. And I know you're a world traveler. You've been to Italy. You've been to Europe. Do you have one globally? But first, what's your first uh, favorite restaurant locally? Um, my favorite. It, this is tough because I, I like to go to to a lot of restaurants. I don't really have one go to restaurant that I go to. Uh, but I, I like um, I like the vibe at uh, a place on uh, Chestnut Street called um, Ristorante L'Aquila. It's a it's a nice little uh, Italian uh, cafe, but it's it's there was a cafe L'Aquila in Italy that got destroyed by an earthquake, and uh, the, the the brothers that b- bought this and created this restaurant imported a lot of the building that was destroyed in um in the earthquake in, in l'aquila italy so they and they brought it over and they modeled it after the same the same thing and they they serve uh it, it's a great place because downstairs is kind of like an italian cafe where you can get sandwiches and you can get pastries and you can sit at a bar and a whole bit and then upstairs is the restaurant and they got a nice small little bar where you, and they always feature uh, regions of Italy, wine from regions of Italy, uh, and it's a fantastic place to to chill out and uh, to relax. So uh, I really enjoy that. And they also have the the European Gelato Champion, who's the part owner of the place. He won the European Championship for Gelato, and they had the greatest gelato ever in that place. So that's why I'll tell you I have high marks for Cafe L'Aquila. But if you're looking for Italian, I leave there too. Is is another uh, great place. There, there, are, there are a lot of really good restaurants in the city right now that uh, I enjoy. Uh, that question is a little selfish because I'm always running out of places to take Maria. So that, that that's a good one. I'll, I'll have to get yeah, Yes. Now, uh, in um, um, in the country, you're asking me anywhere could be anywhere on the globe is the second part to that question. Do you have a particular favorite restaurant that you've been anywhere on the planet all right so there was a restaurant there's actually two really good restaurants that i went to when i was uh, in napa uh, uh and my one of my favorites is is called bottega and uh it's just fantastic it's got a uh it's got a, a rustic decor and a rustic charm to it it's like perfect for napa and uh the celebrity chef uh michael Chirello, uh is the is the chef it's his restaurant and uh, uh, I really liked it. And there's, of course, uh, the French Laundry is out there. But uh, uh, French Laundry that I've been to is uh, world famous French Laundry uh, in Yonville, California, in the Napa area. And it's the Thomas Keller restaurant. He's another famous guy. But uh, he's got a, another restaurant out there that's not as expensive that uh, I went to also, uh, which I highly recommend. And it's one of those restaurants where... He writes what he's uh, cooking on the board, so whatever they have is is on a chalkboard. Um, so yeah, that that was a, a great restaurant as well. I like those restaurants. You walk in, be like, "This is what we're serving today." Yes, and uh, yeah, it's called. Uh, it, it has like a legal term name to it, ad hoc. So uh, ad hoc and Bottega were two of my favorite restaurants out there. All right, good stuff. All right, that's question number one. Question number two. 
to get into the mind of Mike Missinelli. Mike, are you a morning person or a night owl? Uh, I am not a morning person. Uh, in fact, when I have to get up early, I, I uh, have to get a nap as soon as I I'll get up early to do hits on Fox TV uh, and uh, or if I have a doctor's appointment and uh, getting up early rips me apart. Now, I did do a morning show in this town. A lot of people don't remember the great uh, morning guys uh, show, uh, Philly guys uh, on WMMR. We were actually the precursor to um, Preston and Steve. It was myself, uh, Joe Conklin and Vinny the Crumb. And I had to get up and do a morning show. This is why I have so much respect for Angela, because it's so difficult to get up at four o'clock in the morning and have all your wits when you haven't uh, had to do that your entire life. I've never had a job where I had to get up in the morning and go to work. The years I was a newspaper journalist and I've never had really eight to five or seven to, to four or seven to five hours where I had to get up early and prepare for the next day. So I've been fortunate that way. I am not a morning person. I am more of a night person. But as you get older, you know, you kind of wilt at night, too. There used to be a time when I could stay out pretty late, and uh, those days are over. All right, Mike, question number three. You got an important package. Maybe it's for your daughter, family. You got to It's got to be there on time. FedEx or UPS? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, I trust both of them, frankly. But I, I think my first thought would be go FedEx. Even though I think FedEx is a little more expensive. I, I, I think they are. I think they are a little more expensive. All right, that's three questions. It's the first edition of three questions with uh, with Mike Missanelli. Okay. Um, now let me just uh, end this podcast with a parting shot because uh, we already t- uh, referred to the interview we did with uh, Angela Catali on, on Tuesday's podcast that a lot of people seem to enjoy. Uh, and, and let me say, you know, I've been getting a lot of feedback from people, and they go, "But it was really refreshing to hear you guys. I didn't even think I didn't think you guys liked each other." And we we talked about that a little bit uh, on on the podcast, where in the old days of WIP Radio, the the station manager kind of pitted each one of us against each other, and and his reason for doing that is that he stirred our competitive juices and wanted us each to think that we had the best show on the radio and work to make it the best show. So he didn't really care whether we liked each other or not. And it wasn't that we didn't like each other. It's that we didn't cross paths. If you think about these shows that, uh, you know, we, we crossed over a little bit, but for the most part, when somebody was on the show, they were out of there. They weren't hanging around. And so we really, it, it wasn't like a social scene. When you do radio shows, it's not a social scene where you get together uh, a lot after work you do your show you do your business and, and then you get out of there so um it, i i always had the utmost respect for angela I and mean, we worked together to inquire uh, and, and darren you brought up uh, something uh, about him that uh, is really a, a a good observation he is driven and there aren't many people as as driven as that guy and i saw that when he was a journalist he wanted to get the story and worked hard to get the story and, and worked tirelessly to get the story. And he does, does the same thing on radio. A lot of people think it's really easy to be on radio and just talk. And it, it ain't, believe me, and especially for him, when he's so disciplined and so driven that he gets up at, the, at 3 o'clock in the morning, he, he, he watches film, he plans every segment. My shows were always more of a free form. He planned every segment and he was driven to make every show excellent. And that's why I had so much respect for him. And the fact that he did it getting up uh, that early, and I've already told you about, I'm not a morning person because it rips you apart. The fact that he was able to do that for so long is just miraculous to me. So uh, I just wanted to say that. 
the, the two different ways you guys prepared a little bit differently where you would do like the the hub and yeah. the spoke method right which you have you have the main uh you know what going to be the main topics going to drive the show for the day and then the spokes would be the off topics from that that will bring it back Ange would come in every morning with pages and pages of notes and i even asked them before the uh, the interview the other day, I said, I got to ask you this, Angie. I've always wanted to ask you where you've gotten that drive from. I go, what? No one prepares like you. No one. And you do it for every show. I've never been more impressed by anything. And that's the one thing I tell people when I'm asked about you. But where does that come from? Did your father instill that in you? He, and he goes, he goes, I was just terrified to never have anything to say. I would, I had to have something to say about anything it could be brought up any topic and you know fear drives a lot of people <laughs> that's anxiety and fear so. yeah uh, yeah his, his work ethic is, is is pretty amazing and and that's one of the reasons uh, you know we we had uh, a couple of of moments where uh I'll tell you this quick story because it's like water under the bridge now. But he's so competitive, and we're also competitive that we sometimes took shots at each other's show. Now, when you think about that, that's really out of line. Uh, but we were just so on the edge about our show and protecting our territory that, that we did that occasionally. And I remember uh, I ripped the morning show for having Dave Spadaro on as a regular guest. I don't even know if you were there, but uh, Dave was a mouthpiece for the Eagles. Now, we, you know, we came from from journalistic backgrounds and uh, I uh, I later would understand why he, he would have him on. He wanted to have that side come on to be fair. Uh, he didn't agree with, with a lot of the stuff that Dave said because Dave was coming from a viewpoint where he was protecting the team and naturally because he worked for the team. Uh, but I got offended by that because I thought it was against the the whole principles of objectivity that we were allowed. And I said it on the air. And um, so the next, it was on a Friday is when I said it. The next Monday, we had a cross. I was doing middays with Anthony Gargano at the time. And we had a crossover. So I had to come into the studio. And they would, you know, cross over and ask us what we're doing for the show, whatever. And Angela ripped me on live on the air. <laughs> and just think, I said, I was against them hiring you here. And the whole thing, and he, like, really embarrassed me on the air. And I didn't take kindly to that. So when we went to a commercial, uh, we had a little, uh, you know, situation. We had, yeah, we had a little situation. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, these are inside stories that nobody knows. But uh, I want to say one thing about that we didn't cover on the podcast because uh, we did talk about the great sports debate. And one of the golden moments of the great sports debate, and I remember it was like it was yesterday. So was it 1994 the OJ thing happened? All right, it was somewhere around that. And we had to do, we taped the great sports debate at 11 o'clock in the morning. And we were somewhere uh, taping it. And this was when the verdict was about to come in, whether OJ was going to be guilty or, or not guilty. Uh, so we had to do the show where we did the back end of the sh every piece of the show that would follow our lead, which was going to be OJ. And we were waiting for the verdict. So we did the rest of the show. And then we had to sit and wait for the verdict. And I remember we were watching it all on TV and it was live on TV. And this was the going to be the front part of the show. And they announced that he was not guilty. And Angelo went berserk. And he could not believe it. And he was like, as, as outrageous as Angelo could be, this was like out, Angelo times 
a hundred and just went nuts. And it was the greatest opening we ever had because he was genuinely just put off by the whole thing and ripped it to shreds. And so we found out we had to like try to like balance it a little bit. You know? But I remember that specifically that we literally had to wait. We, we completed the show and then we had to wait like a half hour watching television for the verdict to finally be delivered. Um, so yeah, those are these golden moments that we had uh, as we crossed over. And, and, and you know, one other thing too that you you've talked about, you brought up a kind of a bit. I lost art in in sports radio is the crossover. Those were great crossovers. You don't no station does them anymore. Uh, certainly not the show in Philly. Yeah, I didn't like I, them, Darren. To be honest with you, I never liked the crossover. I, I thought it it would it diluted. I was a guy that came on, wanted to come on with a big splash. I, I like our show. Come on, you hear uh, music, and boom, we're ready to go. I I didn't really want to dilute what I was going to talk about. Uh, I wanted it fresh reaction when when it was our turn to do the show. So I didn't really like the crossovers. I know from a fan's perspective, and I was a fan of the station before I started working there. Uh, you know, I always liked the interaction between the shows a little bit because you never get to hear you guys. You know. You know, Glenn and Jody never talked with you, with you and, and Steve, other than those crossovers, at least on the air wise. So um, yeah, yeah, I never liked it, and, and uh, I remember while we were doing crossovers with Tony Bruno that really turned acrimonious. So I, I, <laughs> I, I thought it diluted yeah. the focus of what my show was going to be coming up. I but yeah, I know a lot of people like them. But anyway, that, that's uh, our parting shot for today. Um, we hope everybody enjoyed the podcast today as we talked about Eagles and. Uh, Bryce Harper and, and Life Talk and Three Questions of Mikey Miss and, uh, and all that kind of thing. Uh, everybody, uh, uh, oh, oh, I forgot one thing. I forgot my picks of the week, Darren. So let's go. You got to give them. How'd you do last week? Uh, uh, all right. So, so here are my picks of the week uh, delivered after the parting shot, which uh, I normally do. So last week I was actually one and two. That makes me 20 and 18 on the season. That's not great, but it's still over. 500 Nittany Lions won last week, but I lost with the Giants and the Raiders. I'll never pick the Raiders ever again in my life. So this week I got three. I've got uh, two in college uh, uh, and one in pro. I'm going to go with, uh, sorry, you Temple Owl fans, uh, Cincinnati Bearcats are in the top 25 now and uh, they're a minus 17. And I, I think they want to put up a big number on a bad football team. So I'll take Cincinnati to cover the 17. I will take UCLA. Yes. The Chip Kellys in their big match with USC, and it's a slender line. The UCLA lost last week. The line is only two and a half. USC favored by two and a half at, at uh, UCLA. I'm taking Chip Kelly and the UCLA Bruins outright in this game. Don't let me down, Chip. Anybody that knows me for 20 seconds knows I despise Chip Kelly more than any other figure in the history of sports. I hope you win if you're playing it with real money. I'm always rooting against Chip. All right. Well, I'm taking him. Chip, don't let me down. And in pros, San Francisco 49ers are now rolling. They think they're one of the best teams in the NFC. They're saying poo-poo on the Eagles. Here we come. They're minus eight at Arizona. At Arizona. They're a road favorite by eight at the, at the, the collapsing Arizona Cardinals. That's good enough for me. I'll, no Kyler Murray again for Arizona. Yeah, well, I'll take that line at minus eight. All right? Yeah. So uh, San Francisco minus eight uh, at Arizona. Zach Ertz is out for them the whole bit. All right, that's my picks of the week. 
So uh, just pretend I delivered that before the parting shot, and we're good. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a great weekend. We're going to come back uh, at you on Monday. It goes to get a little fresh reaction from the Eagles game against uh, the Indianapolis Colts uh, on Sunday afternoon. Back to a normal time at 1 p.m. I love those 1 p.m. games. Everybody have a great day. It's Mike Miss. I'm out. Thanks for listening to the Mike Missinelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.